0: And we're the show all about the South, and we welcome you in to another three-hour odyssey that we call The Y'all Show. Now, if you're listening to us on broadcast station, yeah, it is a three-hour program that we have lined up for you because we got great content about the South, and then we throw in a little national news and plenty of commercials because we couldn't do this show without our great sponsors. So that's if you're listening to us on the radio. Thank you so much for the three-hour journey that we'll be on. If you're catching us in podcast form, the Y'all Show is available on Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, as well as Apple Podcasts and the Apple iTunes. And if you're checking us out there, you're thinking, this show's not three hours long. You know what? We're averaging right around two hours and maybe five to ten minutes. It depends on the day of the week. So you, you save a little bit if you catch us in podcast form. So thank you for all of us, uh, all of you out there who listen to us here on the Y'all Show each and every day in our podcast option. It does give you a chance to listen to our program for now commercial free. That's the reason it's a little shorter to catch us in podcast form than it is over the uh, radio. But, you know, if you catch us on the radio, there's a dagum chan- daggum great chance you're catching us live. And that's kind of neat. Because we got to do the show live somewhere, somehow, some way, and so that's how we generally pull it off each day on our great station. So thank you so much here on this Tuesday. We don't have a lot of news headlines to get to today, so bear with me as we go through a abbreviated headlines today. And sometimes no news is good news, and that's the case today because. Not necessarily a a hard news day. A lot of political stuff. In fact, we're going to devote a lot of our hour to the political coverage. We've got a Republican GOP debate taking place at the Capstone on Wednesday evening. That would be the University of Alabama campus. And we'll tell you a little bit more about that. There will be one less face when the debate arrives on News Nation on Wednesday. We'll tell you about it. We've also got other political goings-on to inform you about. One of them is Senator Fetterman. Did you see his interview Monday evening as he was on CNN? And he's pulled a dirty trick on his fellow U.S. senator from the state of New Jersey, Senator Menendez, the embattled senator from from the state of New Jersey. And what in the world could have been a dirty cheap shot from Fetterman, Mr. Hoodie? over to his Jersey brother in the Senate, pretty, pretty genius. And you know what? He just pulled into his effort a guy who just got kicked out of Congress to help him with that. So I'll fill you in and we'll see if we can't dig up some audio from this stunt. All that's in our political coverage of the day. Plus, we've got Trump and he A Trump at the National Archives, I I should not say he, there will be a Trump speaking at the National Archives in Washington, D.C. I will let you know what that story is all about in our political goings-on later this hour. Hour two today, we've got a Southern book report. I'm going to let you know more about Nora Roberts. She's got a brand new book, Inheritance. Nora Roberts has been cranking out bestsellers for a long time, most of them in the rom-com I guess that would be rom-com. Romantic, at least, is how you would describe her books. In fact, her books have been so romantic that she's been the subject of book banning in Martin County, Florida. And we're going to go in our book report in hour number two and hear a report from earlier this year on Good Morning America that Nora weighs in on Martin County, Florida banning her books. And we'll give you that story Kind of timely this time of year as Ron DeSantis, the governor of the Sunshine State, having to defend some of the book bans in his state. Nora Roberts, the author who has roots in Maryland, she has been enemy number one for at least one school district. We'll explain and we'll also tell you more about Inheritance and the other bestsellers that are out there right now as Inheritance debuted way up there on the New York Times bestsellers list this week. We also have entertainment headlines to get to. The last concert for KISS. We'll even play a KISS musical for you (laughs) in our second hour today. Plus, we've got a breakdown of some great brand-new holiday movies that are making their debut. And Taylor Swift in the news will explain why. Also, in our y'all show today and final hour, we've got the Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short, dropping by. And Jerry and I are going to talk world affairs From Yemen to Israel to Ukraine, all that coming up in our Takapola Storyteller Conversation, hour number three, and we also have lined up in that final hour, we're going to look at some frozen biscuit brands, and we're going to analyze them thanks to southernliving.com. They've done a great analysis of seven store-bought frozen biscuit brands, and we'll give you the skinny on biscuits in our final hour. That sounds delish. Do you have a frozen biscuit favorite? Oh, I'll tell you the inspiration behind this conversation when we get to it later in the show because, yes, I had a great, great biscuit meal, and it had to do with Christmas, and I enjoyed that on Monday. Yeah, just hours ago, I was uh, scarfing down biscuits, and I really, really enjoyed it, and I really just felt like it's time to give y'all the biscuits and we're going to cook them up for you and serve them in our final hour of today's Y'all Show. To join us here on the program, you can do that quite easily. Our number is 615. Uh, the text line is 615-208-4184. You can email us anytime. M-A-I-L mail at y'all.com. Extremely, extremely easy for you to, to reach out to us. And we want you to do just that. One quick headline before we take a break and continue on with more headlines of the day. We've got lots of political news to get to, but I do want to go ahead and jump off today with one Biden-related story. Biden, I blamed him earlier this week. I said he would be hanging out most likely (laughs) in Delaware these uh, next couple of days. Well, actually, actually, Biden is going to be going all over the country, it looks like, as He's traveling to Massachusetts today, and he's going to be hanging out with a bunch of donors in Boston with fundraisers set up there, fundraisers to benefit his campaign. And he's going to have an event in the city's theater district that's going to have a concert there by singer-songwriter James Taylor. So that's what Biden's doing today, hanging out in Beantown with Jimmy Taylor hearing a little music with all the other hippies that'll be hanging out in Boston there with James Taylor. And then if that's not enough fun later this week, Joe Biden and Jill are going to get on air force one and they're going to head out to Los Angeles. He's going to have some fundraisers there and in the LA fundraisers, Steven Spielberg and Shonda Rhimes are going to join him in a huge fundraiser in Tinseltown. And in between, he's going to be going to events in Philadelphia. And I think he's got something about to show up in Denver or just happened there. He's going all over the country right now, y'all, raising money, building up a war chest. Joe Biden seems to be fully committed to 2024. Just in October, Biden and the Democratic National Committee reported raising more than $71 million for his reelection. And that was just in the three months ending September 30th. And that shows that Democratic donors are sticking behind Papa Joe as he gets ready for 2024. In fact, at the event today, one of the events in Boston is actually labeled, You've Got a Friend in Joe. Of course, that plays off of James Taylor's famous song, but Joe Biden is turning up the heat and, and getting out there and signing up big time donors for his campaign in twenty twenty four. And if nothing else, what this does is it shows anybody out there, uh Gavin Newsom. Anybody out there, uh huh. Uh who who would want to run for president on the Democratic side? I guess Representative Cortez would be a person would likely run for president here pretty soon. This offensive effort, this effort to raise lots of money by the president, is likely to scare off anybody thinking about putting their toe out there in the water. You've got the representative from Minnesota, Phillips, Dean Phillips, right now, who's already put his toe in the water, and he's catching grief. He really is from a lot of Democrats. They're thinking that he is a gift to Donald Trump by running in this upcoming election. I I don't see it that way. I really don't. I, I think, I think this guy Phillips is pretty sharp. I mean, he's a successful businessman, and what did, uh, you know? I'm gonna play. I'm gonna try to dig up at least some audio of Senator Fetterman, and uh, he called Phillips. Some kind of nickname and a not flattering nickname, the guy running against Biden now on the Democratic side, Mocha man or Mocha guy, something like that, something to do with coffee. I wasn't paying enough attention <laughs> i was I was blown away that Fetterman's back wearing his hoodie, and he wasn't in the Senate chamber to his credit, but he was being interviewed Monday evening, and I saw that and and he he's out talking smack against fellow Democrats. that's not something you often see in today's political environment but back to joe biden he is off and going and not slowing down at least and if i knew i could show up in boston one day and hang out with james taylor and then just a few days later hobnob with steven still steven spielberg and shonda rhimes you know what i might have a little bit more pep in my step if i were a democrat okay that's what's going on with joe biden This week, we've got more headlines that we're going to tell you about. An injury to Trevor Lawrence during Monday night football. The Jaguars were suited up and playing the Cincinnati Bengals in Jacksonville. We've got a report from Duval on Trevor Lawrence. Also, speaking of sports, President Trump weighing in on FSU being left out of the college football playoff. We've got that headline and more as we continue on with more of the show all about the southeast of the United States. I'm John Rawl, and this is y'all. Thank you for signing up on this Tuesday. We'll continue on with more of the fun after this.
1: Yeah, it'll get- my mind
0: on you. That song right there just wrapped up its run, moving up the chart. Congratulations to Austin, Texas native George Burge and Mind On You, a newcomer with a pretty big song, a nice sound, and a great little debut. He's been part of a duo for quite some time, but kind of broke off on his own a few years back. and. Mind on You, going up to number 7 you
1: on my mind. Got these four wheels on a two lane, and we cutting through the night. Got your eye in my head and your love on my lips. Girl, I'm hugging on these curves like them jeans on your hips every time. You, I've been looking like you do. I got my hands in my eyes and my mind on you. I got my mind on you. I got my mind on you. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Continuing on, this is y'all, where we look at all things news and music and sports and travel and gosh, anything else that's got to do with the South. We try to we got, we try to make it an entertaining and an informative program for you here on Talk with an Accent on the South. Let's continue on with our headlines today, and we got a couple of sports related things to pass along. On this Tuesday, y'all showed. So did you see Monday night football between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Cincinnati Bengals? Well, the Bengals were without Joe Burrow. Boy, the backup there. I saw him come in and throw a 75-yard beautiful touchdown pass in that game for the Bengals. But the story here is about Trevor Lawrence as his team lost in that Monday night football game to Cincinnati. But the Trevor Lawrence quarterback of Jacksonville, the Clemson alum, sprained his right ankle in the overtime loss to Cincinnati on Monday Night Football. And so that's likely going to cost him some time in the AFC South, which is a topsy turvy division. You got the Jags, you've got the Colts that are on the rise, and even the Houston Texans, which were the second worst team last year in NFL football. Boy, they're much improved with C.J. Stroud leading that program. The Jacksonville Jaguars, last year one of the better teams and certainly on the path to being right back in the playoffs this year. But Trevor Lawrence now with a right ankle sprain. He did this in the fourth quarter of the Monday night football game there in Jacksonville. He's going to have to have tests to determine the severity of the injury. He left the locker room in a walking boot and on crutches. But, unfortunately, he's going to probably have to sit out this week. The injury calls when his left tackle Walker Little stepped on his ankle on the third down play, and Lawrence ended up being sacked. He had to go off for x-rays, which positive do for for Jag fans. The x-rays were negative, but, uh, boy, they lost – to the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday night football. And um, NFL football, what are we now, roughly 12 weeks into it? So only about a month left of of that particular sport if you're all about NFL football right now. And Trevor Lawrence, if you're not familiar with him, has been one of the big stars and one of the big surprises, the number one draft pick from r- roughly four years ago for Duval. That would be the Jags now with some injuries to deal with as 2023's season comes winding down. To college football, President Donald Trump is weighing in on the snub that Florida State had to endure this week. They were left out of the college football playoff. And Trump, on his Truth Social Monday, wrote, Florida State was treated very badly by the, quote, committee, they become the first Power Five team to be left out of the college football playoffs. Really bad lobbying effort. Less, (laughs) Trump says, let's blame DeSanctimonious. Now, that's not very nice, President Trump. I don't think Ron DeSantis would want to see FSU left out. I mean, for goodness sakes, FSU shares the same town that Ron DeSanctimonious lives in right now. That would be Tallahassee. However... Ron DeSantis may deep down not necessarily be the world's biggest Gator fan. I mean uh, Seminole fan, sorry. And that's because he he might be a, a Gator. And that might be the reason that he didn't step up his efforts. I, I actually want to blame a little bit as, of the possibly being left out on Mike Norvell, coach of the Seminoles. If you Go back to Saturday when most of these teams won their conference championship. They get the one shot when the reporter, like a Holly Rose, sticks a microphone in their face. They get the one shot for the whole world to be listening in to hear what they've got to say. It's not 20 minutes later in a post-game interview. It's not really even when they're up on stage capturing the hardware. It's that moment right there when the game comes to an end. What are they gonna say? And in my opinion, the coach of the Seminoles, Mike Norvell, did not do the best lobbying effort. You you gotta forget for a moment that you're a football coach. You gotta forget for a moment that you don't don't normally do this kind of stuff. You gotta be a bragger. I, I kinda liken it to Robert Griffin the Third over ten years ago when he was a bailer. University quarterback. And Robert Griffin III had a good football season. Did he have a Heisman Trophy winning football season? That's debatable. But what he did do was after one of their last games of which he quarterbacked the Bears to a victory, he got out there and pitched himself. And essentially said, I deserve to be the Heisman. And you know what? Robert Griffin III won the Heisman that year. And... These coaches, maybe at halftime of a championship game, need to be reminded, hey, if we win this game, you're going to need to turn on the the politics right there when she sticks that microphone in your face, and you need to pitch our program. You need to say when they ask you, coach, do you think your team deserves a chance to be in the playoff? They need to kick it in and say, Yet, darn right we deserve We did this and this and this and this, and how dare anybody question us. All we've done is win, win, win. We've won so much, people are tired of us winning. (laughs) But we're going to win the national championship, and that's why we are excited to get that invitation to go to the college football playoff. That's the kind of excitement that you need to be hearing from these coaches. However, again, after this year, it's kind of a moot point because they're expanding it from four to 12 teams. But Norvell, in my opinion, I'm not blaming him, but boy, looking back, it would have been nice to hear Norvell from Florida State, maybe even Kirby Smart from Georgia, get out there and be aggressive and say, you daggum right we deserve to be in the football playoff we're the, in Georgia's case, we've been the number one team all these years. We've won two back to back national championships. And here we are playing in a championship game of our conference, and we barely get beat by a good Alabama team. So, okay, we were the number one team. And now you're going to put us at number five or six or whatever they end up being. I guess they ended up being six and missed out by two spots. That's not right. I mean, look what happened in 2022. A team called TCU lost their conference championship game to K-State. The Big 12 title went to the Wildcats. And did you realize that in the final college football playoff ranking that TCU went from three to three? They didn't go down one spot last year. And therefore, they got to go on to the college football playoff And you know what? They ended up winning their first game and got to play Georgia in the national championship where they had the you-know-what beat out of them. But some real, real shenanigans that have gone on with the college football playoff. There's a hilarious video done by the SEC Shorts folks, if you haven't seen it, where they portray the college football playoff committee meeting in Dallas over the weekend. and, and, And they did a great job. Once again, Alabama, though, lobbying, and they're one of those four teams that somehow found their way into the playoff. Oh, the controversy continues, y'all. You don't want to fool with Nick Saban and Roll Tide, but on Monday, Trump, the president, number 45, weighing in, he's blaming Ron DeSantis for possibly having FSU be left out. I did look it up. Ron DeSantis did not go to any Florida higher education institution. He is a Yale alum, got his undergrad in Connecticut at, at Yale, and then he went on to Harvard for his law degree. And then he went off and served in the United States Navy as a JAG for a while, rose to the rank of Lieutenant Commander, Lieutenant Commander DeSantis, now Governor DeSantis of the State of Florida, but did not graduate. And then I know one FSU alum that's not necessarily uh, maybe on speaking terms with Ron DeSantis this, these days is Matt Gates. Gates is an FSU guy. I wonder what Matt Gates has had to say about the Knowles being left out. We'll have to we'll have to find that out. But Trump, not holding back, blaming Ron DeSantis. I think jokingly, I'm ready for these two to make make a kiss and make up. And I think that'll happen. Speaking of DeSantis, we're not done talking about him. We're not done talking about politics. When we come back right after this time out on the all Show, we've got our weekly dose of Southern politics served up to you. That's coming up. We'll tell you about this Wednesday presidential debate on the Republican side, at least, taking place at the University of Alabama. That plus Fetterman in the news. I'll explain when our political report comes right back.
1: that I'd rather be than right here With my redneck, white socks and blue ribbon beer. The barmaid is mad cause some guy made a pass The jukebox is playing, there stands the glass The singer And blue ribbon beer A cow
0: From the early 1970s, that song there went up to number four for Moorhead, Mississippi's native son, Johnny Russell, the fellow that wrote Act Naturally. Wow, what a great tune there. Nothing like a bunch of rednecks and some white socks and blue ribbon beer. We're continuing on with the fun on this Tuesday Y'all Show. We've got Southern politics to talk about as we close out this opening hour of our Tuesday edition. Want to let you know that we've got the 4th Republican debate set for Wednesday. That's going to be on the campus of the University of Alabama and there's going to be one less face as Doug Burgum, the governor of the state of North Dakota, has dropped his presidential bid after he failed to qualify for this 4th debate. And so He is out in his quest to be president, and I don't think he got necessarily the greatest traction, but at least in these early debates, the first one for sure, Burgum may have been a face many were not familiar with, but people saw him and said, this guy's pretty sharp, pretty sharp dude up there. But would we, uh, as conservatives, wouldn't we rather have another Dakota governor getting a lot of attention instead of Burgum? We'd rather have... Christie, not Chris Christie, but Christy Nome. <laughs> we we know who she is, but Bergum now dropping out. The North Dakota governor is going to have to go back up to what is it? Pierre, is that right? Or Bismarck? It's Bismarck, North Dakota. Pierre, South Dakota. Shame on me, shame on me. But uh, the governor dropping out his bid for twenty twenty four. So four folks on stage. Wednesday with this News Nation television their first debate ever that they'll be hosting the four on stage will be Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis and Chris Christie. Trump will not be there. Not be there in Tuscaloosa where this happens. And this will be partly hosted this debate by Megan Kelly. In fact, her Megan Kelly show on Sirius XM will have the audio of this. And the Washington Free Beacon and Rumble are also co-hosting this debate. President Trump is going to have some counter-programming to Wednesday's debate. He's got a rally going on today, and he's also attending a fundraiser Wednesday when this debate's going on in his native Florida. So... Another debate headed up this week. The RNC, by the way, has not publicly announced if it'll host any other debates, but it was reported earlier this week by Politico that both ABC News and CNN are trying to host upcoming debates. They love debates. They love them. It makes for some of their ratings to get a little bit of attention. And I would expect maybe an Iowa debate. Because I don't think we've had one in Iowa, I don't think, on the Republican side. There there needs to be one in Iowa, if there has not been. And look for maybe even a South Carolina debate to happen pretty soon. All this, again, as Republicans wind the calendar down, that Iowa caucus is coming up in mid-January. We are not far from it at all. All right, elsewhere in our stories across the Southeast... We've got someone declaring their interest in running for governor of the state of Virginia. Lavar Stoney is the mayor of Richmond, and now he's entered the race for being Virginia's governor as they will go and vote for a new governor in 2025. Stoney said he wants all Virginians to have a fair shot at success, and the mayor of the largest city, I guess Richmond's the largest city. Now that you, you know, think about it, maybe one of those D.C. suburbs. Like Arlington could be as big as Richmond these days. But Richmond's certainly the capital. Don't want to leave out Virginia Beach as a small place either. But Stoney now putting his hat in the ring, saying, I'm running for governor, for families like mine that just need an opportunity, for kids like me who will thrive in school if they just get the right chance, and for parents like my dad who work multiple jobs and still struggle to live a secure middle-class life. Stony running for governor of the commonwealth he was the first in his family to graduate high school and college and this democrat at least in the primary is set to face abigail sparnberger the former cia officer who's already announced that she's running and let's see of course governor glenn young can not allow to run as virginia only lets you be governor for four years No Republicans right now have announced a bid for governor of the Commonwealth yet. But look for maybe even the lieutenant governor, Winsome Sears, to be a potential nominee for the Republicans going forward in 2025. Hard to believe it's already time for that Commonwealth to get out there and pick another governor. But that's what happens when they only have the the one-person run. Each time you can only run one time or at least win one time back to some political talk. We mentioned in the previous segment, how president Trump was talking about FSU being snubbed in the college football playoff. Well, I just got this story in from Rick Scott, the Senator for the state of Florida, as he's now demanding answers from the college football playoff selection committee as to why his Florida state university Seminoles representing his state of Florida, how they became the first undefeated team from a Power 5 conference to ever be denied a chance to play in the CFP. And Scott has sent a three-page letter to Boo Corrigan, the chair of the selection committee, asking for detailed information about the process used to deny the Seminoles a chance at the playoff. Scott called the decision to keep FSU out of the playoff. Shocking. And he's demanded total transparency. A reminder, again, this is the final year that there will only be four teams picked for the college football playoff. It will be expanded to 12 in the upcoming uh, season, in 2024. Another politician from Florida, Congressman Byron Donalds, who is an FSU alum, he called the selection committee trash in a social media post, and uh, so Governor DeSantis. I, I do now. I do now have something from him. Governor DeSantis, the non-FSU alum, said in a post on X, "Quote: What we learned today is that you can go undefeated and win your conference championship, but the college football playoff committee will ignore these results." Yeah, maybe there should be fsu's own national championship if i were desantis i would do it i would push for that (laughs) elsewhere in our headlines across the south and nation I'm, i'm having to expand outside of the south for just a second because this is just too good to pass up good old george santos has come back after being kicked out of office just days ago as he said, leaving the building to hell with this place when he left Washington, D.C. last week after Congress kicked him out. And I would think they kicked him out prematurely. He had not been found guilty, only investigated, but he was a bad look for Republicans. So about half of the Republicans voted to kick him out, and virtually all Democrats voted to kick him out of office. And he becomes only the sixth congressman to ever be kicked out of office. So George Santos this week shows back up in the news because he's now on Cameo and he's charging roughly $200 to make Cameo videos. And I think that number is going to go way up because of me and other people in the media talking about George Santos, the kicked out New York congressman. The reason we're talking about him today is because Santos got hired to do one of these cameo videos and he got hired maybe even unbeknownst to him by senator fetterman of pennsylvania and senator fetterman of pennsylvania got george santos to come on and do a video where he bashed senator bob Menendez of new jersey and again i'm not sure that santos even knew what he was pitching when he did this video. Let's listen in. I've got audio of Santos trolling Bob Menendez. L- listen listen to this, y'all. This is, is kind of funny, in my opinion.
2: I hear you got this great promotion, new gig going on. Your coworkers are so excited for you. Thank you for the love. Thank you for the kindness. You know, Botox keeps you young. Fillers keeps you plump. I love that your siblings call you the chaos child because that's how I'm known in my house. Don't let the haters get to you. Haters are going to hate. And if you have haters, that means you're doing something right, girl.
3: Man, the worst. Okay, I'm not
0: sure that's the right clip from Santos, but basically, he got on Cameo and did a custom video for Menendez, and uh, it 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 called him out in a subtle way, calling Menendez out for doing some of the controversial things that got this guy Santos kicked out of office. I mean, Bob Menendez has already been indicted. And Santos has not been indicted. But if you're wanting to hire Santos, by the way, who describes himself as a former congressional icon, you can go on to Cameo and get him. Greetings can include occasions like holidays or birthdays, as well as more generalized topics like gossip. So if you got an extra $200 to spare, hire George Santos to send you birthday greetings or anniversary greetings or or whatever else or for good laugh the guy's funny the guy's got a career ahead of him in some way shape or form but santos was hired by fetterman of pennsylvania who is a u.s senator right now representing that state mr hoodie and mr hoodie is calling out bob menendez by doing acts like this and you know what Fetterman actually used cameo to do something kind of low down against his political opponent in the election of twenty twenty two when he got somebody to do something against Dr Oz, so there's a history here of Fetterman using cameo to help his effort out, but indeed he got this guy, Santos, to come out and say i've got the I've got the transcript of what Santos said. It says, "Hey Bobby." I don't think I need to tell you, but these people that want to make you get in trouble and want to kick you out and make you run away, you make them put up or shut up. You stand your ground, sir, and don't get bogged down by all the haters out there. Stay strong. Merry Christmas. And uh, (laughs) Santos, who I don't even think knew what he was recording, goes on social media later to say, I love this. I wish I knew The Bobby in question, LOL. Uh, Childish games going on in Washington, D.C.? Perhaps, perhaps. Fetterman interviewed Monday evening on CNN as he was on Abby Phillips' show. And he had a few things to say when being interviewed. Let's go in and get a clip of this right now as we continue on with our political headlines of the day. Because it's not often you have a Democrat, in this case Fetterman, calling out other Democrats. Here's what he had to say with Abby Phillip Monday on CNN.
3: I want to ask you now about something you've been pretty vocal about. This is your colleague uh, in the Senate, uh, New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez. Your team actually put out this video today—a cameo of George Santos. Oh no!
1: Send- oh no! Oh, no.
3: <laughs> sending a message. Uh, sending a message to uh, Bob Menendez.
2: Hey, Bobby. Uh, look. I don't think I need to tell you, but these people that want to make you get in trouble and want to kick you out and make you run away, you make him put up or shut up. You stand your ground, sir. And don't get bogged down by all the haters out there. Stay strong. Merry Christmas.
3: If Democrats don't expel him from the Senate, as you've been calling for, is your party forfeiting the moral high ground here when it comes to corruption?
1: Uh, I, I
0: I don't know. It's it's really strange. strange to me. You know. Uh, I, you know. I'm not anti-Santos. I mean, it, it's just like of course he's done some really you know bizarre kind of lying and everything. But if if you have to if you do, if you expel somebody like you know uh, George Santos, how can you allow somebody like uh, you know Senator Menendez remain in the Senate as well too? Because I promise you that one of the main major differences between uh, representative, former Representative Santos, and Senator Menendez is three hundred
2: million dollars of munitions, you know, with Egypt as well too.
0: All right, that again is Senator Fetterman of Pennsylvania talking about uh, his fellow Democrat. That's the All Show Hour one. Hello, we're back for hour two. It's the Y'all Show. John Rawl, the general of all things Southern. We're proud to be telling you what's going on across the Southeast today. And you know what? We are a region that's just got so much excitement going on. And here on this show, we accentuate the excitement with our coverage of all things southern. Yes, we do. To be involved with our program, we encourage you to text us. We've got our text lines open, 615-208-4184. You can also email us, mail at y'all.com. Here this hour, we've got some Trump news to pass along to you. Trump, Trump, Trump. More Trump news. We'll tell you about it in a moment. And we also have a new survey coming out from WalletHub. We love what Wallet Hub does with their data that they put out on a regular basis. And we've got a fascinating new Hub finding that we'll be passing along your way in a moment. So that's coming up here in our news headlines for this hour. Also, in this hour, we've got books to talk about. And author Nora Roberts has a new read that's atop the bestsellers list that it made its debut this week. Inheritance, and if you're not familiar with Nora Roberts, well, you know maybe you should be familiar with her. She could help your romance life out based on her past books, and we're going to help you if you need a little a little steam, check out nora roberts books <laughs> and and that steam has gotten her in trouble. There have been school districts in Florida that have banned Nora Roberts' books from their libraries. Ooh, what's that all about? Well, we've got a report from earlier this year on Good Morning America where Nora defends her writing. And I'll let you hear some of that as part of our Southern Book Report later on this hour. And we also have entertainment headlines coming at you as we'll fill you in on some news of the day. KISS has wrapped up their performance as they have wrapped up their live entertainment career. They just played their last concert, KISS. We'll tell you about that, plus holiday movies in the stories of the day, and we'll let you know some Taylor Swift and Scotty McCreary news. Yes, all that's coming up before we finish up this hour of the y'all show. Talk with an accent on the South, that's what we do. Let me tell you about Trump, if you don't mind. First of all, I got to get this off my uh, chest. I've seen for the last day or two since she showed up on the Sunday shows, Liz Cheney continues to make a career out of coming up with Trump hating stuff. And her latest thing is that she says that if elected to a second term, that Trump would not leave office. Where did she come up with this? I mean, why would she say that? And, And I don't think Trump has responded, but he should and and he should just say you know this lady got annihilated in her office of congressman from the state of wyoming she got humiliated in her reelection bid she should not have any voice on national media because she was part of that committee that tried to get trump and impeach trump and she's a republican I don't know. I just I'm not a Liz Cheney fan. I think her hatred of Trump really stems from the fact that Trump called out her daddy. Her daddy Dick Cheney and the Bush Cheney years of leading us into a senseless war in Iraq that killed thousands of Americans and she knows that Trump's not afraid to call him out and go along with the warmongering heritage of her family. I think that's where this comes from. And and so she will continue to be influenced by Trump derangement syndrome. And now she says she's considering a third-party run. Only, of course, to try to hurt Trump if he is the Republican nominee. I can't imagine that many Republicans would want to choose her. But she loves those headlines, and she is the darling of media right now, the disgraced congressman from... The state of Wyoming. Of course, she would say that Trump is the disgraced former president. <laughs> so it, it cuts both ways. But let me keep up with the uh, Trump headlines of the day. Are you are you ready for more Trump news on this Tuesday? Well, this is Trump news you might not have expected in a headline. Former First Lady Melania Trump. Now she was in plane. Now she was in Atlanta, Georgia, last Tuesday at the memorial service for. Rosalind carter now she's back in the news this week as the former first lady is going to speak at the national archives next week in a swearing-in ceremony for new u.s citizens now she herself became a u.s citizen back in 2006 and she's going to speak on december 15th on bill of rights day and she's going to be speaking along with u.s archivist Colleen Shogun as 25 people from 25 different countries are going to be sworn in as American citizens. And this, again, is the latest public outing for Melania, who's essentially been cooped up in Mar-a-Lago for a couple of years. And I'm glad that she's out there being seen. She is Donald Trump's maybe secret sauce, if he could make her a little bit more vocal for him, if if he could have her alongside him a little more, if she would go out and do events on her own, I think it only helps Trump. I mean, she is a stunning lady, the Slovenian-born former first lady, I know she's been busy raising Baron, but Barron's old enough to drive now, Melania. You need to start clipping those wings and letting him fly. <laughs> Maybe she already has. <laughs> Maybe he's like a lot of 16, 17-year-olds out there today. He's either A, stuck on his phone playing video games or stuck on his phone texting and getting on whatever other apps youngsters do. He's either got all that going on or he is, I don't think he's working a job. He could be locked up in juvie for all I know, like a lot of 16 and 17 year olds. (laughs) Let's hope not. But Melania Trump gonna head on to Washington DC and participate in this swearing in ceremony. You know, she She never got a lot of praise. She never got a lot of credit. The amount of magazine covers, for example, that Michelle Obama got on compared to Melania Trump during her time in the White House, laughable, absolutely laughable how much the media bent over backwards and continues to bend over backwards for Michelle Obama. Heck, even Jill Biden. But they hated Melania Trump, and she was a, a bit of a celebrity before ever marrying Donald Trump. So I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. But kudos to her getting a chance to go to the National Archives next week and speaking at this swearing-in ceremony. That's a pretty cool thing to report on here on today's Y'all Show. Elsewhere in our news headlines today, I want to let you know we told you earlier About how this college football stuff's getting some play. People like Donald Trump weighing in on Florida State getting left out. Well, one team that got into the playoff was the Crimson Tide of Alabama. And a bizarre story today (laughs) coming out of the state of Alabama Nick Saban, his cell phone has been leaked. And he's received hundreds of calls from anonymous numbers on his cell phone number. Who would leave I guess the price that's the price you pay when your tied. rise to make it as the number four seed in the college football playoff, but indeed the head coach receiving hundreds of calls from anonymous callers upset over Alabama's birth into the C F P one website obtained a video of the comment and it reports the coach told his players of the leak during the team's award banquet and coach Saban said I've had probably over 250 anonymous callers today calling me every name in the book talking about how we shouldn't be in the playoff so we still have naysayers out there we still have players who don't believe in us whoa Saban said most of the people calling were from Florida. I don't know how in the hell they got my number, but it is out there. Even Tommy Tuberville, the U.S. Senator from the state of Alabama and a former Mississippi and Auburn coach, Tuberville saying doxing and haters that you don't represent sounds familiar. (laughs) Uh, I guess Tommy Tuberville has been the recipient of doxing in the past and so he he knows what nick saban is going through the tide will face off against number one seed michigan in the rose bowl on january 1st somewhere between now and january 1st i've got a feeling santa claus is going to bring saint nick that would be saint nick saban um a brand new telephone number. I guess he can keep his phone. He's just got to change his, what is it, SIM card and, and get a different number before <laughs> before uh, he really loses his mind. Uh, you know, Nick Saban's not going to win probably the award for the uh, happy-go-lucky guy out there running around the college football world these days. But kudos. He had a a job to get his team in a position to play for a national championship. It's not his I guess it's not his fault that Florida State got left out, but the tide's going to roll right into the CFP, and Nick Saban's going to have to answer for it. He truly is going to have to answer for it with that phone number now being out there doxed. Have you been doxed before? Has that been something that's happened to you? Um, I can't say that it's happened to me, and I'm rather happy that somehow i guess i'm not quite i'm not quite high enough on the food chain to get doxed at this point but that's a life goal to get doxed. of course my phone number if you uh, really want to reach me is not all that hard to find it's truly easy to get but uh we'll cross that bridge when we get there you know doxing's not something that a lot of people would i think find a lot of fun but we do have a brand new wallet hub thing that's just come out of the most fun cities in America. Adam McCann has penned this article and we thought we would tell you a few of these fun cities in America. If you're wanting to get Nick Saban's phone number and go out and have fun. According to Wallet Hub, the most fun cities in the country, number 1, number 1 is Vegas. Number 2 is Orlando, Florida. Check it in number 3 is Miami. Number four is Atlanta, Georgia. Six, New Orleans. Seven, Austin, Texas. And New York City is at number 10. But that's a very brief version of our most fun cities in the country from WalletHub as they used very a, 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 a varied number of ways to come up with this including saving money was one of them, but also surveys as they compared more than 180 cities based on 65 key metrics ranging from fitness centers per capita to movie costs to the average business hours of breweries and an analyst for Hub says that finding a city that matches your own unique brand of fun is important. All cities have a variety of activities, but some shine more than others when it comes to things like parks and beaches, live music and comedy. And that's why Vegas is your number one city in the land. But other southern cities are well up there, like Austin, Texas. Did I tell you? They came in number seven in this ranking. How about St. Louis, fourteen? Tampa, 17. Houston, Texas was 19. Houston is the 19th most fun city in America. San Antonio, 25. Charleston, South Carolina comes in at number 29. Dallas, 31. Knoxville, 32. Nashville is 36. Jacksonville, 37. St. Pete, 38. Birmingham, 39. Louisville, Kentucky. You're number 42 most fun city in the country. I've partied in Fort Worth. Fort Worth comes in at 43. How about Chattanooga? The scenic city, number 46 most fun city in the country. And I have partied in Chattanooga, y'all. It's a great place to party. Raleigh, you're at number 50. That's the top 50. I'll leave it there. I will tell you what's the least fun city or cities in the country, according to Wallet Hub. They've got dead last Pearl City, Hawaii. Now, that can't be right. How could you not have a good time in Hawaii? That's the uh, least fun city in the country. And then just above them, South Burlington, Vermont, Oxnard, California, Nashua, New Hampshire, and Yonkers, New York, some of the least fun cities in America. I'm trying to find uh, Brownsville, Texas is the least fun southern city in America, as it checks in at number 171 in the ranking of 182 towns that are supposedly fun or or not fun, whatever way you want to look at the Wallet Hub ranking. Hopefully you learned something from that. Let's all head to Vegas, or at least one of those other fun southern cities like Orlando that are nipping at Vegas' heels. When the Y'all Show continues, we've got more southern conversation headed your way. On the other side, we've got our Southern Book Report. We're going to tell you about the top reads on the New York Times bestsellers list. And one of those top reads happens to be Inheritance from Nora Roberts. We'll introduce you to this Marilyn Ryder and the controversy about Nora. Stay tuned.
1: Your mama And she said Don't call you Talk to your best friend And she said No need to But I
2: had to tell you I hate how I hurt you
1: now I know How bad I hurt me too
2: If I gotta get down On my knees I'll do it if
1: you wanna see me cry then baby, let's get to it. If I gotta be
0: It's so ricochet and a song that went into the top 10 back in 1996 for this Texas-based act. Fantastic music from the 90s from Ricochet. One of their other songs, of course, was Daddy's Money. Y'all know that song, of course. 90s country right here on the Y'all Show. John Rawl, I'm the king of 90s and 80s and 2000s country. I'm not really the king, but I'm... I'm pretty high up there when it comes to knowing about it because, you know, I kind of lived it, y'all. Lived it in a lot of ways. And right now we're living the Southern dream, just living the dream. That's what we do here when we get together talking about the South on our program that we call The Y'all Show. We've got lots more to get to here in this second hour. We're going to focus now, like Ricochet singing about love stronger than pride. i got a lot of love to tell you about. And that's because of Nora Roberts. She is a Maryland-born author that's got a book that debuted way up on the New York Times bestsellers list this week. And I've got that detail. And we even have a clip of Nora talking about how her books have recently been banned in the state of Florida. What in the heck is that all about? I'll tell you as we continue on on this Tuesday edition of the Y'all show. So looking at the New York Times bestsellers list right now for the combined fiction category, the combined print and ebook fiction category. Rebecca Yaros continues to dominate. She's got the number one and number two book right now. Her latest book, Iron Flame, which has been out a couple of weeks, it's number one. Rebecca Yaros's fourth wing, is at number two. It's been out half a year. And continues to be leading the way as it all has to be in the Empyrean series books. Violet Sorengel's next round of training might require her to betray the man she loves. That's an Iron Flame. That's the number one book. Number two talks about how Sorengal is urged by the commanding general, who is also her mother, to become a candidate for the elite Dragon Riders. Fourth Wing, number two. And making its debut this week at number three on New York Times combined print and ebook fiction list, it's Nora Roberts and Inheritance. And in this book, after the death of her mysterious uncle, a graphic designer receives an inheritance that stipulates she must live in a haunted Victorian house for at least three years. <laughs> Nora Roberts, ye inheritance. Coming in at number three this week, we got more to tell you about Nora in a second. Let me tell you about the rest of these bestsellers. James Patterson's new book, Alex Cross Must Die, it checks in at number four this week. This is the 32nd book in Alex Cross series, and it's debuting number four from author James Patterson. And John Grisham's book continues to do well. It's been out about a month now, The Exchange. This is the sequel to The Firm. As Mitch McDeer, who's now a partner in the world's largest law firm, gets caught up in a sinister plot. The Exchange, number five on New York Times print and ebook fiction bestsellers list. In terms of the nonfiction options right now, kudos to Britney Spears. She has returned to the number one spot with her book, The Woman in Me, The Kentwood Lady, and Grammy Award winning. Pop star is detailing her personal and professional experiences, including all the years she spent under a conservatorship seen by her father, Jamie Spears. The Woman and Me from Britney Spears. It's number one on the New York Times nonfiction list. The book penned by the late Matthew Perry, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing. It's at number two this week. Number three, Killers of the Flower Moon from David Grann. Number four, this one's been out about three weeks, Barbara Streisand's memoir, My Name is Barbara. She checks in at number four. And David Gron, who also was at number three with Killers of the Flower Moon, his book The Wager, is checking in at number five in the New York Times nonfiction category this week. So lots of great reads. And included in that listing of great reads this week is that book from the fake fiction category that made its debut at number three, Inheritance, from author Nora Roberts. And again, this is a book where a graphic designer gets an inheritance, and in that inheritance it stipulates that she must live in a haunted Victorian house for at least three years. Would you be willing to do that? I'm not sure I would. Nora Roberts has penned over 225 romance novels. That is a lot of writing for the woman born in Silver Spring, Maryland, back in 1950. She's been on a writing, writing uh, roller coaster, you could say. She graduated from Montgomery Blair High School, and that high school is in Four Corners, Maryland, and went on. And got married and settled in Boonesboro, Maryland, where she and her husband got uh, married and settled in. She's now, I think, on her second husband. She's got two children. Nora Roberts at 73 with now over 200 books to her credit, many of which are in the romance section of the library. <laughs> and... uh She's been involved in some issues with that. She's had libraries take her books out of the public libraries of, of of the South. In fact, with Ron DeSantis running for president, Florida, of course, getting a lot of attention because of some of the book banning that has happened in the Sunshine State, and Nora actually went on Good Morning America, a few months back, defending her book career. I mean, this is a woman who time has named her one of the 100 most influential people. They did that back in 2007, saying that Nora Roberts has inspected, dissected, deconstructed, explored, explained, and extolled the passions of the human heart. And she was only one of two authors on Times' 100 Most Influential People of that year, 2007. She and David Mitchell making the list. So she writes a lot about something that a lot of us don't know anything about. And that would be love. Uh, She has, I mean, this was years ago, she sold hundreds of millions of copies of her books. And one year alone, 2005, she sold... It looks like 12 million copies of her books just that year. And her novels have now been published in over 35 countries. The Maryland Maryland wordsmith, Nora Roberts. But as I said, a lot of her books, if not all, connect to romance. And we've had in the state of Florida at least one public school district get a little upset about the fact that Nora Roberts' books were in their school library and that's why Martin County in the state of Florida purged Nora Roberts books from their library and it ticked her off it ticked a lot of her fans off and she went on a media blitz earlier this year to talk about it let's go in and pull from Good Morning America Nora Roberts talking about that and the reporter filling us in on the details of how she had her books banned in the Sunshine State. It's Good Morning America reporting on this here on the Y'all Show.
3: To you, Nora Roberts tells us that she was surprised to find out that some of her books were banned from school libraries in Florida. This morning, romance novelist Nora Roberts is speaking out after a Florida county banned eight of her books from school library shelves. Every book read for pleasure is a victory and Taking books off the shelves because you personally have an objection is not right. Documents made available to ABC News by the Florida Freedom to Read Project show the objection was submitted by a woman also named as the leader of the local Moms for Liberty chapter, a group that claims it's fighting to protect children from pornography in school. There's certainly not pornography. Um, they're certainly not inappropriate. This month, that same Florida county also pulled 20 books by best-selling author Jody Picot from school libraries. I think it is a small, very vocal group of people who are speaking out. The vast majority of folks in this country know that we should not be banning books. The American Library Association says a record 2,571 book titles were challenged for censorship in 2022, an increase of more than 1,100% in just two years. Since 2021, school districts have removed books in 37 states with the most significant bans in Texas and Florida. Republican governor and likely presidential contender Ron DeSantis spearheading the trend.
2: I just think parents, when they're sending their kids to school, uh, they should not have to worry about this garbage.
3: But critics argue students should be able to choose from a diverse range of books fitting the needs of every kid in school. Essentially, these books are literature. Um, They represent what people find enriching and entertaining in the way of literature and they should remain on the shelf and be available to the readers who want to read them the national branch of moms for liberty denied our request for an interview the group that has more than 250 chapters nationwide has said that it's working to maintain a safe environment in schools Janae.
0: all right that's elizabeth schultz reporting from good morning america and a report from earlier this year about how author Nora Roberts has had some of her romance novels taken out of the Martin County, Florida school district, and a little bit of a background of how some of these districts nationwide are pulling books from the library. Where, wherever you stand on this issue, I'm not here to cast judgment today, but you know, it is a, in a free speech world, I guess it's not necessarily a good thing to pull books from libraries. But if they got bad stuff out there, of course, that makes sense, too. And Nora says that if you heard her in that clip, that her books didn't have all this pornographic stuff that this Moms for Liberty or whatever group claims to have. I don't know. I haven't read any of these books. But that's why, again, decisions like this are still left up, best left up to the local officials. Let them fight it out. It doesn't need to be a swooping Type deal coming from Washington, D.C., or even from your respective state capitals, because what somebody sees as art, somebody else might see as trash. You get my drift? But that is a look at our book report for this week, the Southern Book Report. And again, Nora Roberts has that book right there, number three on the bestseller list, Inheritance. It makes its debut this week. And kudos to Nora, as she's now churning out these books, approaching nearly 300 books now to her credit. The Maryland native, not slowing down, at the ripe age of 73. When the Y'all Show comes back, we've got more entertainment headlines to tell you about. We've got Scotty McCreary, a very special honor for the guy that was once on American Idol. We'll tell you about that great news. Garth Brooks brought him the good news. We'll tell you about that, some Taylor Swift news, and KISS wraps up their amazing career on stage. We'll have all that as the y'all show concludes this second hour of our Tuesday broadcast. that's really their hair we're back here on the y'all show wrapping up our hour two with some entertainment news of the day and that's kiss god gave rock and roll to you and uh i was promised that that's one of the best guitar intros going with this song i'm not gonna fight you because you know what i feel sorry for kiss they played their final show on their farewell tour this past weekend They played at Madison Square Garden in New York City after 50 years of being out on the road. The rock band ended their end-of-the-road tour this weekend. Founders Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, as well as guitarist Tommy Thayer and drummer Eric Singer on stage playing songs like I Love It Loud and Beth and More Kiss, rapping up a career. In fact, at the end of the show, the musicians left the stage and their digital avatars took their places to perform the song that you're hearing right there. God gave rock and roll to you. I don't want to see a avatar but Kiss wrapping it up. I've got an article that I pulled up and this comes to us from bluesrockreview.com. It is an article titled, what is this called? The Top 10 Kiss Songs. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not a Kiss person. I'm an idiot, you could say. But Beth comes in at number number 10. Number 9, Going Blind, is their favorite Kiss songs. Number 8, Strutter. Number 7 on this list of the top Kiss songs is... Come on, computer, cooperate, or I'm going to have to get me a KISS avatar. God of Thunder. Number six is Deuce. Number five, most famous KISS song, Love Gun. Cold Gin at number four. Number three, Black Diamond. Detroit Rock City at number one. And number one, Rock and Roll All Night. Now, that's a catchy tune. Again, this is just one website's opinion of the top ten KISS songs, bluesrockreview.com. Is this particular website? But we wish Kiss all the best as they kiss it goodbye a career of performing live and 50 years plus on the road. That is a long time. Congratulations. Other entertainment news of the day to pass along to you we got a breakdown from CNN.com of a great listing of Christmas movies. If you are in the movie, entertainment world you're looking for some movies to check out here lately well there are movies out there on the christmas side they have a holiday movie preview xmas is a new movie just in time for christmas that's got leighton meester in xmas and it is out right now streaming on amazon prime video best christmas ever is a new movie also that features brandy norwood from Macomb, Mississippi, I believe, is where Brandy is from. She's in here. Best Christmas Ever is on Netflix. Silent Night is another new Christmas movie in theaters nationwide. That sounds fantastic that it's actually a real movie. Amazon Prime's got Candy Cane Lane is a new Christmas movie and other great films just in time for the Yuletide. Check it out on your various streaming platforms. Taylor Swift making history. She has made chart history again. Congratulations to the Hendersonville alum as Taylor Swift is the first living act to have five albums concurrently in the top 10 since the Billboard 200 was combined from its previously separate mono and stereo album charts. She's got five albums all in the top 10. 1989 Taylor's version, along with Midnight's, Folklore, Lover, and Speak Now. I would think Taylor's doing pretty well, wouldn't you think? You know, I should pull up her net worth and see what that is. I'll have to pull that up in a second. I'm not sure I could handle it right this second. But what I can handle is telling you about Scotty McCreary. If you're not familiar with Scotty McCreary, one of his big songs in the last year that, that came out on the chart, I'm going to play you a little sample of it because he did a good job on this one. Enjoy Scotty Boy here on the Y'all Show.
1: Probably will for the rest of my life. Damn straight, you're killing me, man.
0: Scotty, you're doing something even George Strait has not done. Scotty, invited by Garth Brooks over the weekend to be the latest member of the Grand Ole Opry. Kudos to the NC State alum and North Carolina alum and American Idol alum for the tremendous achievement. The induction date has not yet been announced, but wow, what a Christmas gift for Scotty McCreary. And the Opry just keeps adding so many talented people. And Scotty was overcome with emotion, explained to people that this was one of his career goals. And, man, he then bent down and touched the circle of wood in the Opry center stage and just had to soak it all in. Scotty McCreary, congratulations. Grand Ole Opry member to be. That wraps up our hour of conversation about entertainment and books and more. We've got another hour of the Y'all Show coming your way. The Takapola Storyteller dropping by. It's the Y'all Show. Talk with a southern accent powered by y'all.com. Thank y'all for listening. on this Tuesday, December 5th across the Southeast. I'm John Rawl, the general of all things Southern. We appreciate you taking time to join us here on the show that shakes the Southland where y'all, we're available on great radio stations. We're available also in podcast form. You can find the y'all show on Spotify, on the TuneIn app, Apple Podcast, Apple iTunes. We're also on, I think I said Spotify. Tune in and the iHeartRadio app, one of those three I forgot to tell you about. We're 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 all over the place. Just search y'all show and you'll find us. And we deliver three hours of conversation about the South each and every day. Here in our final hour, the Taka Polo Storyteller will be hanging out with us in just a few moments. And we've got boy do we have a world in crisis right now with what's going on with hamas and israel we've got also the ukraine situations ongoing and now yemen is popping up in a big way and there was a strike on monday where people were killed there in yemen from some of our attacks against them a hostile situation across the world right now and we will discuss it jerry short and i when the Takapola Storyteller drops by with a intellectual conversation. <laughs> and, you know, not to say that we don't have intellectual conversations, but specifically today we, we're going to maybe tell you about some world politics that you may not have heard of. And we'll tap into Jerry's vast career in special forces and more when we have that convo coming up in a few minutes. Also, before we get out of here today, our Southern Food for Thought and we will go to southernliving.com where they have penned the article about how you can look at frozen biscuit brands. And we will analyze seven different types of frozen biscuit brands because we love our biscuits, don't we, here in Dixie? And we got some good options, and we will analyze them thanks to southernliving.com. All that coming ahead on the Y'all Show. You can text us anytime. On this program, 615-208-4184. Good to be back with you. Let's go into a few news headlines before we welcome in the Takapola storyteller in on today's y'all show. So some political news. A story out today in the New York Times says that some major GOP donors are asking Chris Christie to drop out of the race and get behind him to drop his bid and support Nikki Haley. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I really do. I think the establishment has already decided that she is the heir apparent for the Republicans and that she is the way to win the White House back in 2024. I think what she is, is the establishment's way of Getting Washington back to the way that they want it to keep the swamp going. That's my opinion. You know, bottom line on Nikki Haley is I'm going to use the same word that Trump uses for her. He calls her a B, okay. And I think he knows what he's talking about when he, Trump calls her a B, the B word, okay. Um. But it's not the B word you, some of you might be thinking. You're, you're thinking, oh, here here goes Trump again. Oh, my goodness. He's unhinged. Now, the B word that Trump actually has branded Nikki Haley is bird brain. <laughs> That's his word, not mine. I'd call her probably that other B. But, uh, yeah, how about her? And, you know, she is she's working hard behind the scenes. She's got all this. Coke brothers money now coming into her when I watch TV over the weekend every time I cut on YouTube first ad was something about Nikki Haley and how she's going to win the White House every ad that I saw right when I would start streaming and if I saw it chances are you're seeing ads for her pop up all the time now and Trump better start doing something about her and putting her back in her bird brain spot because she's a bee. I mean, she is a bee, y'all. And uh, <laughs> and she says she's never lost a race, and she hasn't. She's never lost. And Trump needs to make sure if he wants to be the Republican nominee that he doesn't need to play nice with her because she's a bee. And sometimes bees need to be stung But that's the story today, New York Times story about how some Republican donors, big-time Republican donors, are trying to get involved and get Christie out and put Nikki Haley in. So if that were to happen, then you basically only have Vivek Ramaswamy left, who is not a Nikki Haley person. He would support Donald Trump. Then it all comes to Ron DeSantis. And is Ron DeSantis, when given a choice, going to put his backing with Nikki Haley or Trump and that's if he can't somehow emerge as the nominee and I don't think that's going to happen but I'm really ready for Trump and DeSantis to have a a meeting of the minds a Versailles and figure this thing out and go forward And, and DeSantis doesn't need to be Trump's vice president on the ticket I don't think DeSantis would want to be Trump's vice president. But what we all need, if you're a conservative, that is, is for some kumbaya to start happening pretty quick and win with a conservative ticket, not with a potential Nikki Haley ticket that it's all about the swamp and all about her. And that's hard to say when some of you are sitting there saying, Trump, come on, Trump's not all about himself? Eh, maybe a... Maybe a little bit. (laughs) His branding, though, is to make America great again. And so, you know, he could easily just start putting stuff out there that says Trump on it and start hawking his Trump wear and Trump wine and Trump properties and more. Or maybe he's doing that. Maybe I just missed out on, you know, while he's out trying to figure his deal and maybe whether some of the other folks should either team up with others or not. Joe Biden is busy this week. Believe it or not, he's catching a plane to Boston. And today, Joe Biden and James Taylor will be singing that sweet harmony. And uh, they'll be together in Boston for a big Democratic fundraiser. In fact, it's got a cute little name. I'll have to dig up what it's called. Um, going on in Boston here on this Tuesday as the event's going to be in the city's theater district. And then, before the week is up, Biden will be on the West Coast for a couple of fundraisers there. In fact, Friday, he's got a fundraiser alongside Steven Spielberg and Shonda Rhimes. Hobnobbing with the elite Joe Biden here this week, bringing in lots of money. He's also got fundraisers in Washington, D.C., in Maryland, coming up pretty soon. And he is adding to his coffers. It's been reported that Biden and the Democratic National Committee reported raising more than $71 million for his election in the three months ending September 30th. And it's going to take a lot of money to win. But I still think money's not gonna matter most. It's gonna be getting people to vote. And I don't know unless you start paying people to show up and vote, which could be happening. I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's not happening like that. But um they've got to p- get the numbers out. That's why I saw a story on Monday where the black vote, which is so crucial in democratic politics, the black vote has it been there In the most recent elections that we saw in the states of Louisiana and Mississippi, for example, governor's races there, black vote down. And as a result of that, a state like Louisiana flips from a Democrat to a Republican governor. And Mississippi, the Democrats really thought that Brandon Presley could defeat Tate Reeves in that bid for the governor of Mississippi. Black turnout down. It was a fairly easy night for Tate Reeves to win that a few weeks back tonight's event by the way that Biden will be having for the friends there in Boston with James Taylor performing it's called you got a friend in Joe Papa Joe out having a good time politically here these days and that's a look at some of our headlines across the southeast to kick off this hour our final hour on this Tuesday get together that we call the y'all show when we come back we're going to be getting together with the takapola storyteller jerry short standing by we got some political stuff and more to talk about with jerry and we'll do that right here on the y'all show Continuing on on this Tuesday, hope you all are doing well as we often do on Tuesdays on the show All About the South. We welcome in the Takapola storyteller Jerry Short into the program. Jerry, oh, about uh, two weeks and roughly six days until jolly old St. Nick shows up. Hope you're doing well and Merry Christmas
4: to you, sir. Wow, the way time's flying with me at my age in time and space. Uh, I don't know if I'll have enough uh, change to buy any presents by then. Give me a little more time.
0: Well, I can't mm. do anything about time, but I do want to say after going through some of the news items of the day, Jerry, we may not have Christmas this year. It might get postponed. Ooh. We're inching closer and closer to World Wars Three, Four, and Five. We got outbreaks in Israel. Now we've been told about something going on in Yemen, and then. Ukraine's been going on. Jerry Short, the Takapolo storyteller, what is going on? Are we going to have well, a red Christmas this year, red as in blood, it, bloodshed?
4: Uh, it's, it, I tell you, it looks like it. Well, we are having it now anyway. It's just uh, hadn't reached our shores because uh, it seems like we won't retaliate in response to when we're attacked as often. And, uh, from what I've been able to, you know, get off of the news or get off of the, uh, uh, radio or read in the paper or wherever I might, uh, come in contact with some of this information. But, uh, then you got to have your own opinion and, you know, heck, we're getting close. You're talking about a Christmas. I don't remember what the 41 Christmas was like, uh, but, you know, we're getting close to December of the, which people don't even talk about any longer. December the 7th, the bombing of Pearl Harbor. And, uh we're right on top of that and a day they were living infamy as once was said by uh roosevelt but uh president roosevelt but uh today i don't know what our president today would say if we got attacked he hadn't said anything about the uh uh hit and miss and runs that we've been taking now for about what eight weeks nine weeks something like that and uh you know, they're shooting this, a lot of this stuff at us out of uh, Syria, but it's all it's all backed by Iran, and uh, we're not doing anything. They're backing now Yemen is got in this uh, uh, situation. They've got a group there that's uh, a group of terrorists that uh, they're being backed also by the ones that we leave all the money on the table with in the M- M- East. So uh, same thing, you know, it's going out um, – going out of uh, um, the east bank and uh, all the west bank rather and all that other stuff here they have the terrorists over there they've been doing the same thing I just moved over to yemen and they're shooting they're shooting uh drones and everything else at us and uh they're getting pretty doggone close you know we've had some people i don't know today i didn't kept up with it today but uh we've had some uh we've had some Pretty good injuries, you know, from blasts that have been close enough to uh, shells that have hit and uh, exploded close enough to uh, mess with someone's uh, inner, let's say, insides, or especially as far as their head goes. And uh, we just don't know, you know. We just don't know where we're going, and it don't look good, as you said.
0: Well, specifically in Yemen, which is an area that we haven't talked much about at all in the media in america here lately but it's getting more and more attention in fact monday it was reported that what four people uh iranian proxies if you will were killed by u.s attack what more can you tell us about that
4: well i know you know people don't realize about Yemen as much as uh there's been a civil war going on over there for about a year and a half or two or three or four or some long time and it's kind of internal and the UN is kind of behind that situation, I believe. And, uh, where, you know, the is always in a place like that doing things, but they're not, uh, they're not having any retaliations that's been going on over there. And I don't know what they're doing to really help the situation, uh, in, in, in Yemen. And, uh, you know, that pronunciation is Y-E-M-E-N, I believe, right? And, uh, sounds good to me. So any anyway a lot of people are not familiar with that probably. And that, that that fronts the Red Sea. And uh we've got uh we've got some ships in the Red Sea now and so this uh this terrorist group out of Yemen that has been in mostly just in a uh internal war now they are starting to use drones and things to uh attack us with which looks like are being furnished by uh Iran. And um uh, and they're getting pretty close. And I know we've had a couple of ships out there that uh, have taken uh, rounds just right on top of them. And maybe today, uh, I was going down the highway not long ago, and I heard something on the radio about uh, they had shot, and we maybe we retaliated back, and maybe we shot down a couple of uh, drones, hopefully. But, you know, these drones, they shot one down uh, the other day this same terrorist group in Yemen. And uh, I think I heard the price tag on it was, oh, gosh, something like $78 million. And, uh, you know, that's not chicken feed. Just because we're in a billion-dollar giveaway war that we're doing, and then I don't think we're supporting Israel like we should be doing, that thing could almost be over with now if we'd keep out of it. You know, uh, you don't have to go that far back to realize that, you know, we're talking about wanting that to be two, two uh, states, the Palestinian state and the uh, Israeli state, and that's kind of what the United States is pushing now. Mm-hmm. Well, you go back biblically, and God gave that for generations and generations and generations to the uh, Jews and, uh, and their families and their families and their families. This thing one supposed it's as one country, as one state. Israel has been good enough to share some of that stuff with, uh, with the Palestinians. And, uh, they really didn't have to, according to biblical terms. So, and if we're not going to be back in biblical terms in the United States, which I'm afraid we're not doing a very good job of right now, uh, of course, this is just opinionated stuff by me, which, uh, you know, that, Probably don't go very far in a lot of places, but uh, if you'll pay attention to what's happening, uh, I can, you can go back to the Suez Canal in Egypt when it was hit. I was delivering newspapers, and I may have been 11 years old riding a bicycle around town throwing newspapers on porches, but I'm reading about that, and that's scaring me then. Well, I mean, we didn't stop. It's just something has been going on in that part of the world ever since then, you know? And uh, it's going to continue to go on until we turn Israel, uh, the Jewish nation, loose and let them take care of the situation. You've got to stop these terrorists, but you can't leave enough of them back to rebuild. You know, when they say they had like uh, 700 miles or something like that of tunnels uh, in the Gaza Strip, well, I think they've maybe uh, taken care of 500 miles of them. Really? Well, that's us at least two or three hundred miles of. They've miles. already
0: gotten five hundred miles out of that in a month.
4: Uh three to five hundred. Yeah, they, I don't know. They've, uh, you know, that you go in them in houses. You go in them, you know, like that hospital situation. They build the stuff. They 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 use uh, people like that as shields. They use families. They use uh, they use uh, hospital People in hospitals. And they build their headquarters up under all that. And, uh, then I think there's a main, uh, tunnel that goes out to the Mediterranean Sea, uh, off of the Gaza Strip. And I, you know, I don't know why you can't get out there. They worried, they've been worried about, and they were pretty smart, uh, Hamas was about, uh, taking prisoners when they came in. I think that was their main plan to keep them and put them in those tunnels. Or we could have, uh, we, you know what I'm saying, we because, they're an ally of ours, and they're probably the only democracy in the whole Mideast. Uh, you know, I think, yeah, I think they are. Um, we could have flooded those tunnels out. You know, you could, you could have pumped water in out of the Mediterranean Sea and flooded them all out and flooded all the terrorists out of there. And that brought every one of them out in the open. And it, and it, it would have saved the Palestinians that live in that Gaza Strip area, which is about six miles wide by what, twenty six, twenty seven miles long? It's not that big of an area. But uh it's it's long and narrow. But uh and those tunnels have just they've been working on those tunnels for years and years and years and years and years. And uh they they prepared and uh they're really good uh they're good tunnels. You know, it's not like in Vietnam where we had to go in those uh caves that they call tunnels that took tunnel rat soldiers little guys that weighed about 110 pounds to go in of american troops uh, this is things that you can walk around in and they've got lights in and they've got electricity in and everything's monitored in there and they've got cameras and you know the elaborate tunnel system and it looks like a snake if you've ever seen an aerial photographer from above point back down where the tunnels are because they pick it up on infrared, and uh, you can see how the tunnels are laid, and they're all over the place. I mean, you know, it, it just looks like a network of snakes called up. So we've got to we've got to put a stop to all that, and uh, until we do, they'll be back. And well, let me ask you, Jerry, that, let
0: me ask you, right? because I know a lot of folks are critical not of what's going on in the Middle East, but they're critical of what Washington, D.C., And this Biden Harris administration's response to Israel. What's your take on how this country has handled the Israel Hamas war?
4: Very poorly. Um, I find that, uh, I would hate to know what would we have done in World War II, excuse me, after the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor? Would we, I'm sorry, excuse me, would we have called for a ceasefire? Would we have called for time for Japan to go ahead and retreat and, and, and get set up and wait on us to come? Oh, would we, would we have called, uh, would we have declared war on Germany? Would we have done all this other stuff? Would we have went on into Europe? No, pray not. And, uh, so, um, anyway, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's a situation that we have not done, what was required of us to do.
0: Well, this country was pushing for a pause. There was a roughly a one-week pause in the fighting. What happened now that we can look back a few days and fighting has resumed? Did Hamas take advantage of that pause to build up their strength, et cetera?
4: Oh, sure. And, you know, they extended that weekly pause. And they would say, oh, you know, uh, if you give, uh, we'll release another ten prisoners if we'll get another day you know and there they are holding you know at first they said they had a hundred and some, then they had two hundred and something up here uh, i'm gonna call them pow's because that's what they already are even though for women children and and then they'd already beheaded people it's almost like you forget about the beheading and the rape of people you know and you go to just what you're doing today to heck with what happened when they uh, came in and uh, did what they did that uh, at that I uh, won the banquet. I guess it was a recital and not a recital, but it was a party out in that field. You know where they came in and and landed and flew in with those uh, paragliders that they have. And uh, when they they got to cutting heads off and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, and Jerry, this brings up a good point for me. We're talking with our Takapola storyteller Jerry Short here on this y'all show. Jerry, you were in the Armed Forces in a National Guard component, Special Forces component for a long time, and you've been 30 years out of the service. Thank you for your service. But I, I want to know, you talked about as a little boy, remembering the Suez Canal and that fight that happened there. The Middle East has been a hotbed since <laughs> before time even well, began. Before that, Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, when you were going through – the United States military training of the 1970s and 80s, I guess even back to the 60s. 60s, yes. T- tell me how much y'all focused on some of the Middle East stuff. Who was your make-believe at that time when you were training post, post-Vietnam post especially? Who, who was your more likely enemy going to be?
4: Well, you know, of course, in that, that day and time, we were all on eggshells about Russia. Okay you know, the Soviet Union, which was the Soviet Union then. And, uh, you know, know, looking back on it, we hadn't been out of World War II. Let's say if I was born in 1946 and I'm delivering newspapers in 57, we'd only been out of World War II 11 years. And, uh, you know, my daddy was uh, at Normandy and he was at the uh, Battle of the Bulge and he went all the way to the Russian line and and he didn't talk much about that. But he did tell me that, uh, the Russians were something to be aware of, that we just had to use them as allies. And, uh, we didn't think a lot about China, uh, in the sixties and seventies and the fifties. We didn't think about China at all really because, uh, and you know, your mother would tell you eat everything on that plate because they're starving people in China. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we started getting, um, uh, from Hong Kong and places like that, all our toys and and things started coming from that part of the world. So we never really, everything was focused towards, uh until Ronald Reagan came in, everything was focused toward Russia and the Soviet Union. And, uh, you know, people were so scared. There was a guy that owned a television station in Memphis, Hoyt Wooten was his name, I believe. And coming into Memphis, we'd go by when I was a kid. I didn't live far out of Memphis then. And we'd drive up there every day for the weekend. And we'd say, look out there at that thing. And it was a bomb shelter that he had built. He was so afraid, and he had so much money, it was so elaborate, that uh, it even made the news in Moscow of what kind of bomb shelter we had in place over here for the Soviet Union. And... uh, you can still see it. I mean, he the guy had a really f- – it was close to Elvis' home. It wasn't too far from Graceland. But it was right there, and it was uh, a huge thing in his yard out to the side of his house. And it was uh, something that he could contain and live in and had food, and it was set up, and it had, uh, you know, vents and stuff to breathe. Because we were all afraid of what the – you know, after what had happened at Hiroshima and Second Army during World War Two who we so was afraid of the radiation from, and they made a lot of movies in those days about stuff like that, about blowing a bomb up, atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, it, was, it, kept, it really did keep kids kind of, you know, we were aware and we were really kind of concerned about warfare. I'm talking about as a 10, 11, 12-year-old child, kid. Because, uh, but these, these young people today, and I men college don't even take that. They think that, they take everything for granted that it's going to be like it is and the things are going to be fine. But we had to fight our way to get to this point. And then, of course, like you said a while ago, you said, uh, pre Vietnam, but Vietnam comes on board and we have advisors over there. And then when I'm in basic training in 65 at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, you know, we're, we're preparing for Vietnam and all our drill sergeants had been in Vietnam and that type of situation. But then, then, then when Vietnam's over with, when, when Nixon ends Vietnam and Henry Kissinger, who we just lost, when they, when they end Vietnam, uh, everything started really pointing to Russia, even though we'd already gone through the, uh, Cuban middle, missile crisis and we'd done all that in 63. And, uh you know, we were getting scared in. They were building up a force right on our doorstep. Right. But today, with the technology we have, hey, they don't have to be in Cuba. You know, they can reach the West Coast now. And uh, luckily, that where we live mostly, we're farther away, but we don't need to let them build up down in Colombia or, or anywhere like that in Central and South America. And uh, so we've got to keep this hemisphere safe are we going to be, you know, like that again? But now since Russia, since it's no Soviet Union anymore, China has become the big situation. So today that's who we really, I hope our military, cause I've, I stayed in 30 years and it's been about 30, I guess almost <clears throat> since I've been out. Yeah. But uh, you know, we were, we were preparing, um, uh, for Russia more than anybody. We really didn't, but now, hopefully they're preparing for China because China's got so many people. You know, it's kind of like if you would go back to the Civil War. The South would probably won the Civil War if we would have had the manpower that the North has. Well, I look at that situation now and think, well, golly, China's manpower. they got 10 soldiers to our one ready to fight today. So... um that's who we got to really keep our eye on. And of course they're, you know, they're partnered up with Russia and then they're all partnering up with Iran. And Iran is a dangerous cookie in this drawer because, uh, they're kind of sitting back, you know, behind Iraq and they can get away with more stuff. Syria, Syria, they shoot a lot of stuff out of Syria and they, they're using other, other people kind of as a pawn for them, you know? It's not like it's them direct. That's the reason I guess we haven't hit them directly. We're hitting around them. When we, when we retaliate from some of these drone attacks, it seems like we're retaliating more at some warehouse in Syria, you know? And all that stuff is going back to, uh, Israel. It's coming out of, uh, that area financially supporting the Hamas fighters, the terrorist fighters. And now they've gotten over in Yemen and we've got that same situation building there, which is going to take that whole end of the Red Sea and the Mediterranean area where we have a lot of our Navy involved. And there again, it worries me, uh, John, that I don't know if we can fight two battles on one front. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, I guess that's what we only can fight on one front. I don't think we can fight two battles. Let me turn that thing around. (laughs) For two fronts, you know, like we did during World War II, where uh, we had to fight Japan, and then we had to fight in Europe. You know, we were fighting in two different locations. I don't think we can do that today. So if if Russia builds back with China's help and they stay friendly, <clears throat> that puts two enemies uh, that we'd have to fight at the same time. And, I, and right now, from what military as I see it, you know, if you've paid any attention to some commercials and, and how they're so far behind on recruiting, you almost get to the point where you think, you know, maybe we need to bring the draft back. And this country would go berserk if we bring the draft back. You know, the draft was there when I come up. That's all we knew. Um, and you know, uh, people like, uh, well, if Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, was uh, drafted but he said he was a conscientious objector even though he fought in the ring and he didn't go (laughs) (laughs) you got things like that but elvis presley went in 58 maybe and got out in 60 uh we not the war going on then but we had advisors in vietnam in 60 when elvis got out but he went on and gave up probably with a peak of his career uh, by going, uh, he wasn't to peak when he was drafted in, and uh, luckily, you know, he maintained some of that when he come back. But did he help worked.
0: his career. It helped his personal yeah. life.
4: That's right. Helped that he could found a thirteen year old wife, I think, or something or something, fourteen, something like in that. In Priscilla. Yeah. We're
0: talking with our taco uh, storyteller today. There is no reason for you to wake up on Sundays and cut on. Face the nation, or as Donald Trump calls it, deface the nation. You're getting your global <laughs> military perspectives here with Jerry Short, the Takapolo storyteller on this y'all show. Jerry, you mentioned China, Iran, and the third of those nations would be the, the, uh, Russia, the F- Russian right. Federation. Right. We don't right. want to leave out North Korea also as part of that group, but
4: those- no, they just kind of fall in there as a, back up for China or somebody we go. Ahead.
0: Three of those nations don't have a real reason to hate the United States. Three of those nations uh, in my opinion don't have a real reason to hate. And those three nations would be North Korea, it would be Russia, yeah. it would be China. But Iran has a reason to really hate us. It, and it ties because of the, the 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 religious connections that this country has with Israel and how much they absolutely despise Israel. That's the country we got to be concerned with. And you you were in the military there in the post-Iranian hostage days. How much right. did, did Iran factor into y'all's planning for military stuff?
4: Well, we did plan a lot of that, and I knew some of those people that were in Delta Force that uh, went in the desert and had to divert, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Colonel Beckwith. Was- was one of them that led one of that group in at, uh, in the desert. But, you know, president Carter, bless him. He, um, uh, he was a military man. He was a, a sub, uh, nuclear, uh, physicist and not, physicist and all that kind of stuff. But he just didn't have enough in him to fight. And, uh, he, he let that uh, hostage situation go on for 300 and some days. And, uh, it took Reagan being elected to end that. And, but we prepared for that. You know, I was in a special forces team then and we would do the way you would get selected as a special forces team to go into somewhere. Is that you get a mission and three of you, uh, three, three different teams will study that mission. And then you go before a board and then they ask you questions questions and questions about what you would do in that combat situation or how you would handle this situation and then they pick a winner it's kind of like this football ncaa stuff picking the top four to go to a bowl they uh to play for the national championship they pick up they pick a group and that's how delta force was uh picked and you know and i don't watch those movies so i can't give you movie stuff what they say in those movies because it's a lot of stuff i've seen in movies that some of it's kind of true, and some of it's not, and they blow a lot of it up. So I just kind of try to refer back to what I actually went through in training. And, uh, you know, we would train for stuff like that time and time and time and time. And uh, we would look at maps, and we would study this, and we would study that, and we would study what type of uh, – aggression we would have in a such and such situation what type of aircraft to take into such and such would we need a helicopter would we need to refuel Would we like that one when they went into the desert they need to refuel you have to then you have to set up uh the met and set up the weather conditions and make sure the weather when you know if you're down on the down on the floor of a desert which i have been if you're down on the floor of a desert you know the weather can change just drastically overnight Oh, over a second or two, really, if the wind picks up. And that's what happened over there. That caused a mass confusion. And I think a C, a C-130 or, uh, was making a turn in the desert and, uh, wing clipped something and something. And that led to an explosion and you had to divert the mission. But there again, President, uh, Carter was trying to call the shots from back, back in his, uh, back at the Capitol. And that's, that's not how you fight a war. You got to turn it over to a patent and say, go get them. And uh, that's, that's how they do it. And that's how it should be done. But we're not doing that now. You know, I, I, it's hard for me to have much confidence in our leaders in the Pentagon today because it don't seem like they're, they're just, I don't know if they're afraid because of our military strength has gone down so far with numbers and, now we still got uh we still got the equipment to if it got if it comes to a nuclear war, we could take them, I think. And uh, I hope we could, but you know, we well, better Well
0: play. that's saying something when the taco storyteller makes a statement but then has to say, Hmm, question mark. That that's right. that just kinda sums up where we are. Jerry, we gotta get out of here. Thank you for your knowledge. Again, thank you for your service. we got one heck of a mess going on before Christmas this year with the conflict in Yemen. You've got what's going on in the Middle East with Israel and Hamas, and then we don't want to leave out what's going on in Ukraine. That continues to be one bloody mess there in Eastern Europe. Jerry, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks again for all that you do. All right, pal. See you. And more of the Y'all Show coming up right after this. Stay tuned. Three weeks before Christmas. Y'all better get your shopping done right now. And maybe one of these days y'all can start sharing your Amazon wish list with me. And we'll see what we can do. We'll raise some money for you here. We're wrapping up this Y'all Show Tuesday edition. Appreciate Jerry Short dropping by there. The Takapola Storyteller. Always fun to see what he's got going on. And man, I feel so much more intelligent after our discussion about world politics and outbreaks of warfare across the globe right now wrapping up this y'all show tuesday edition with southernliving.com kimberly holland has penned a story about trying out popular store-bought biscuits and she's got some analysis on the store-bought biscuits that are available in your favorite grocery store well first of all Biscuits on our mind today, at least on my mind, because I had a very special elf drop by on Monday and give me some delicious homemade biscuits and country ham. And boy, oh boy, was that incredible. And this special elf told me they used a certain southern brand of biscuit to make it. And so that's what got me thinking, you know what, we we should wrap up this y'all show today talking a little biscuit talk. Because biscuits are the perfect Christmas morning delight alongside whatever else you have. But a good biscuit on Christmas morning, oh yeah. Of course, any morning a biscuit would be quite good now that I think about it. But according to this article at southernliving.com, some of the great frozen store-bought biscuits that they analyze, Mama's Biscuits and Buttermilk Biscuits, Bless your hearts, this is a great Southern classic. Check that brand out in your local grocery store. How about Mason Dixon Biscuits Buttermilk? Yummy, yummy. A brand called Brothers Gerhard Baking Company. They have a delicious frozen biscuit in your grocery store that you might be able to find. Pillsbury Grands has their frozen buttermilk biscuit. That is a delicious biscuit option if you're in the biscuit buying business. The brand called Great Value has a awesome buttermilk biscuit that is in the frozen aisle. And this is actually a Walmart-branded biscuit, FYI. And it's available out there. Pretty affordable choice for you, too. But I also have to throw out, as Biscuit Talk is wrapping up our Tuesday edition, how about Mary B's? mm Good Alabama-based brand, I believe, is where they're out of. And how about Mary B's Biscuits? and some syrup to go along with it. That would be a great thing on Christmas morning, don't you think, there? Again, this article from Kimberly Holland, seven popular store-bought biscuits and ones that they'll buy again. She did a real deep dive into how these biscuits stack up and literally how they stack up because not all biscuits are created like others in terms of their fluffiness and their taste and that buttery taste that some of them have as well. They had a a taste kitchen for this article, and they did a great job looking at flavor, texture, color, and the overall experience. So from Mama's Biscuits to great value and more, we love our biscuits here in the South, don't we? Hey, we got a great Wednesday Y'all Show coming your way. We got business news. We got all the goings-on on on social media and more. You don't want to miss it until we gather for our Wednesday Y'all Show, don't forget your Y'all Show podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, plus Apple iTunes and Apple Podcast. And voila, just like a delicious biscuit, we're hot and ready to serve you at y'all.com. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll see you on Wednesday, y'all. Run, run, run. everybody.